today. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing in our lives, in our family, in our church family, and in this community. We thank you that we get to be a part of it. We open our hearts to receive from you today. We open our ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. And Lord, our desire is to partner with you with your kingdom. So we thank you again for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Those of you who were here last week, um, I began to uh, a two-part series. I'm going to continue today dealing with the stuff that we see going on in the community, not only in our community, but in, in our country concerning the political turmoil, concerning the racial turmoil, concerning the, div- the division that is happening amongst people, amongst Christians. Um, just all the chaos, the anger, the resentment, the, the fighting, the friendships ending over because we're not agreeing on political ideologies. I, I saw another post, I said this last week, but on Facebook, another one, uh, uh, a guy that I, I went to high school with. Uh, I haven't been in touch with him in, in many years, probably 30 years, so I don't know what's going on in his life, but his post, he was saying something about, you know, some political thing, and it was pretty charged, he was pretty fired up, and again, if you don't like this, just unfriend me, that kind of thing, and, and, uh, and it's just pretty crazy. But that's not what really concerned me, concerns me is what the world is doing. It's what Christians are doing. It's with people who are following Jesus, how many of us are allowing ourselves to get sucked into that, that abyss of just hate and anger and resentment. And that's contrary to what Jesus said, because Jesus says, you are the light of the world. We are the light of the world. He called us that. You know, the Bible says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So Christ flowing through us is the hope for our community and for our society. But we have to be that light. You know, he says that you don't take a light or a lamp and put it under a bushel or under a basket. You don't cover it up. But what I find happening, from my perspective, is is a lot of the lights are hanging out in the light places. And we're not going into the dark places. In other words, we're, the, the church is either being, being um, very quiet, not saying anything, not doing anything. And actually, some people are saying some things, but that's not the kind of thing I'm talking about. Because there's a lot of things that are being said that don't need to be said by Jesus' followers. But I believe God has solution. He has answers. He, has, he wants his kingdom to go into society, into these dark places, and impact and influence them for the kingdom. And how's that going to happen? Are we going to stand at a distance and begin to, to, to yell at people? I mean, we can do that. But I believe he's calling us to go into places, because he says, go into all the world, preach the gospel, make disciples of all nations. You know that word nations is, is ethnos? Making, na- making disciples of all ethnic groups. You know, in the Bible, in, in Revelations, it talks about, Revelation 7, I believe, it says that, you know, it, before the throne, there's every nation, every tribe, every tongue 
standing before the throne. See, God's kingdom is full of diversity. And he even celebrates that diversity. And so we know, first he tells us to go into all the world, to every nation, every ethnos, and to make disciples. And then we know that they're going to be all people from all tribes, tongues, and everything, celebrating, worshiping the king. So we know God is all about diversity. He's all about people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. That doesn't make him afraid. Now, as far as us on, on planet Earth, we get intimidated. We become fearful. And especially now, things are politically charged. Things are racially charged. And it can be a trying time. But I have this excitement in me. Every time I think about what's going on, I get excited. Because I have this hope in me that speaking louder to speaking louder than the chaos and the hopelessness that I see and hear out there. This hope in me is speaking louder. And I'm listening to that voice and not that voice. See, too many of us are tuning in to this, the, the stuff out there and we're becoming fearful and we're retreating. And so what I talked about last week is I believe God has an answer. His answer is his church, his followers, that is you and I. And not just us, but those around the world and those all over America who are followers of Jesus. But if we're going to be a part of the solution and not continue to add to the problem, then there are certain things that have to change in us. And the one thing that I shared last week that has to change is first, our allegiance must be to the kingdom. Our first allegiance has to be to God's kingdom. Our first and I'm not saying our only allegiance, but our first allegiance. That means this is first, and then after this, everything else can come. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added. You know, there's a time when Jesus said, he was talking to his disciples, and then people said, hey, Jesus, your mother and brothers and, and sisters are out there. They want to see you. They want to speak to you. And Jesus looked at the people before him, and he said, who are my mother and brothers? He says, those who do the will of God are my mother, brothers, and sisters. Now, he wasn't disowning his natural family, but he was showing the priority that we need to have. His kingdom first. Jesus says, if you love mother, father or mother more than me, you're not worthy to follow me. If you love son or daughter more than me, you're not worthy to follow me. If you're not willing to take up your cross and die to yourself and follow me, you're not worthy to follow me. He who tries to keep his life will lose it. Many people are losing their lives to fear and torment and turmoil and chaos and bitterness and resentment because they're trying to hold on to it. It's only when we give up our lives to Jesus are we going to experience real life. So our allegiance to him has to come before my country, my race, my political affiliation or ideology, the kingdom comes first. And I'm okay, and it's okay to be, and we should be, um, have allegiance to our country. I love this country. This is my favorite country on the planet. But do you realize that this is our temporary country? Because actually we are citizens of another country. And that country... Check this out. This country is going to last for maybe 
let's say a couple hundred, three hundred years max, okay? Or let's say a thousand years. But our permanent home is going to be for a billion times, a billion times, a billion years. Now, where do you want to put your stock in? Because even if, if America lasts for a thousand years, none of us are going to be living here for the next thousand years, right? We maybe have however many years we have left. We're going to be with him for eternity. That is our number one allegiance. That is our, our eternal home. And so everything needs to come from that perspective. So number two, so number one, our first allegiance must be to the kingdom. Number two, our identity has to be in Christ. My identity has to be in Christ first. Actually, period. My identity has to come from Christ, who he says I am, what he's done. Colossians something, somewhere in Colossians. Colossians 3, verse 1. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, okay, therefore, because of the truth, because we've been raised up in Christ, because we are hidden with him, therefore, put to death your members which are of the earth, fornication, which is premarital sex, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. That includes Facebook. Do not lie to one another. Since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge, in knowledge according to the image of him who created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on, therefore, here's what we get to do. We put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, Bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a complaint against another. Even as Christ has forgiven you, so must you also do. But above, now all these things he just said, we just read, are important. But then he says, but above all that, but above all these things, put on love. Everybody hear that? Above everything else he just said, put on love which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell, dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing, and giving great, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord, and whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So my identity has to be in Christ. And so from that identity, from that identity, I'm going to live and walk in love. And see, when my identity, when I'm identifying with who I am in him, then I also get all the benefits and every resource that he makes available to his sons and daughters. Every resource. That means that regardless of what I've gone through, regardless of how people have treated me, I do not have to be a slave to bitterness resentment, hate, 
unforgiveness, I don't have to be a slave to that. Too many people are, are surrendering and in bondage to those things. Jesus followers, I'm talking about. And we don't have to be. And he says, above all, walk in love. Above all, put on love. He gives us the power to love our enemies. Whoever you perceive as an enemy to you, you have the power to love that person or those people. I was watching a documentary a number of weeks ago, and it was right after the Charlottesville, Virginia stuff happened. And I saw this documentary, it was on YouTube, and, um, which I guess was on HBO, and it's pretty raw. But it was, th- there was this reporter was following the, these, these people that were um, supremacists. That's, that's the word. Following them. And this guy, he was the leader of this movement. He was pretty, pretty hardcore. Had all these weapons, pulling all these guns out of every, <laughs> every pocket, everything. He had all these guns and everything. And the, and the reporter was asking him questions. And he was pretty fired up, pretty strong in his belief. And I was watching this man, and, and I was thinking, wow, how... He really hates people of color. He's pretty passionate. He's pretty, he's pretty passionate about what he believes in everything. And then, now of course this is all theoretical because I'm not facing this guy in, in person, but I'm watching him. But as I'm watching him, I can feel this stuff rising up in me. And I'm not talking about wonderful, fond, affection feelings. That's not what was rising up in me. But I felt these emotions rising up, hearing what he was saying and everything, and I was feeling this stuff rise up in me. But then I was hearing something that was stronger. I've given you the power to love this man. I do not have to be a slave of hatred towards anybody. I can be. I can choose to be imprisoned. I can choose to hate him and be angry and wish he were dead and wish he would burn in hell and all those things that we want to do or people choose to do. But I said, man, God, you've given me power to love this man. Father, bless him. I pray that he has a relationship with you. That he would come to know you like never before. So we have to identify, walk in our identity as believers because then we get the freedom, we get everything he's made available, we get that grace, that tangible thing that God puts on us that gives us power. Just like, remember Popeye? Anybody remember Popeye? Now I know I'm dating myself. The only way you guys would see Popeye is probably on YouTube, you know, or whatever. But Popeye, when he was, when Brutus was beating him up and beating a just pulverizing him. What was Popeye's salvation? A can of spinach somewhere inside of his shirt. <laughs> Who carries a can of spinach in their shirt, right? Does that cartoon have a message or what? <laughs> so he, when he would pop that spinach into his mouth, I mean, the dude was half dead, but as soon as that spinach hit his lips and went down, all of a sudden, boom. I'm sorry. And then poor Brutus was gone. I mean, he, Popeye just, you know, he knocked him out. Grace is like that spinach. 
Whenever we need, we're getting pulverized by bitterness. Someone has offended, someone has attacked me or some, done something to offend me, and I'm being pulverized. Guess what? All of a sudden, guess what's in my shirt? A can of grace. Just happens to be there. Now, Popeye, just because he had that can of spinach in his shirt, that wasn't doing him any good. Rubbing the spinach wasn't helping him, was it? He could have rubbed it on his face or whatever. He would have still got beaten up by Brutus. But as soon as he consumed, as soon as he partook of the great, excuse me, the spinach, he had the power to overcome. The moment something happens, an offense comes your way, the spinach grace will appear and we have the ability to partake and overcome. So I want to get practical here. In these last two points, I want to get very practical. We're talking about being the answer, being an answer in our society, making a difference. Two practical things I want to talk about. One, what I see happening from my perspective is I see whether it's political, whether it's racial, Whatever the, the thing is, and you see all these people who are charged, and they're angry on Facebook, you see it. What I see happening is someone saying something, and then the other person not listening, but them saying something back at. And then there's this dialogue going on, this craziness going on, and then, and then it turns into name-calling. And then it's raised voice. If you see them on TV, they're raised voices, veins popping up in their heads, and yelling and cussing and, and wanting to fight and that kind of thing. It's like we don't have the ability to communicate anymore. But there's this angry exchange. And what I see happening is, one thing, is people are not listening. People aren't listening. As soon as someone says something that I disagree with, I'm not trying to listen and trying to understand their perspective. It's like, well, where are you coming from? Why do you feel that way? That's not happening. It's like, oh, yeah, you stupid idiot, you're wrong. And I come back at them with, of course, the right information, the right perspective that they need to receive. And so that's what's happening. These exchanges going back and forth, nobody's listening. And you know, the Bible says, be quick to hear, slow to speak, and even slow to anger. So here's what I encourage you to do, us to do, that doing this one thing will make an impact. One thing is listen. Listen to someone now, I'm talking about right now, I'm talking about within the body, okay? I'm talking about in the body. Listen to someone, set up an opportunity for you to listen to someone of a different perspective. And since race is being highlighted right now, as far as in our country and the turmoil, let's talk about that specifically. Now, what I'm talking about and in the, in the, in the, these things I'm going to be talking about is not only dealing with race, but it applies to race, but it also applies to other things as well. But I'm going to highlight race right now. You know, when, remember when Irma and, what was, the, what was the one that hit uh, Houston? Harvey. Harvey, then Irma, when they came, and those of us living here, you turn on the TV and you're like, oh my goodness, I can't believe it. That is crazy. That is just horrible. You watch the news maybe for 30 minutes, maybe an hour, and you're just overwhelmed with how horrible it is. Right? Then you turn the news off, and you go on. We live our lives. 
And then maybe 5 o'clock we may turn the news back on and say, oh my goodness, I can't believe these poor people. Then we turn the news off because it's time for dinner. And we live our lives. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But the point I want to make is, is in that circumstance, we have the opportunity to turn, tune into that and tune out anytime we want to. Do the people who live in, in Houston or live in Florida, can they turn it on and off anytime they want to? No. That is happening to them. That is affecting them. They can't turn it off. I want to submit to you that there are people concerning the racial tension. There are some of us that can turn it on and listen and then turn it off and totally disengage and be okay because it's not affecting us. But there are some brothers and sisters who can't turn it off because it is impacting them every day. And if you're not impacted by that, you don't understand the turmoil that they are being impacted by. Just like we don't understand what the people in, in Houston are going through. We don't understand. We do not have the capability to understand unless you're going through that. Now, if you went down and talked to somebody, whether someone from Houston came up here or you went down there and you sat down and visited with somebody and said, man, how are you doing? What's going on? And you listen to them. It's like, man, I've never been through anything like this. I don't know what to do. I'm discouraged. I'm hurt. All my stuff is gone. And you just listen. And even if you didn't have the ability to do anything about their situation financially or, or physically, but you just offered yourself to listen. And I'm so sorry. Man, that's got to be rough. I, I can't understand that, but I'm so sorry. But you make yourself available to listen. Maybe that will have an impact on them. When you have someone who just sits down, maybe you're going through a hard time, and you just have someone listen to you, and they may not be able to do anything about your circumstance, but you feel that they're with you in heart, does that help you? does me. So apply that to this circumstance. You know, I, I'm bringing this up for the point of illustration, and my desire is that nothing I say brings shame on anybody. Because I don't believe that the right thing to do is to start pointing fingers and say, well, you need to be doing this, you should be doing this. If it wasn't for this, then we wouldn't be... No kingdom perspective but as an african-american here in stillwater i've lived here for over 30 years i have many 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 friends here most of them white ever since this situation has been going on the political excuse me the racial turmoil has been going on i've only had one person ask me how i'm doing concerning all this stuff. One person. And that person lives in Redding, California. And the reason why I bring that up, I was, at, I was at lunch a few weeks ago with some pastors, all of us pastors, about eight of us sitting there, and one pastor brings up, he says, what are you guys doing about this? This was right after Charlottesville happened. He said, what are you guys doing about this in your church? concerning the Charlottesville, and he said, um, concerning the, the race, the, what was the word, the, um, the su white supremacist stuff. And this is a white pastor asking the other pastors, what are you guys doing? 
So they shared whatever, and actually none of them were doing anything. But then they started sharing their perspective. And they sounded like a tell. They, they sounded like they had been listening to CNN and Fox. Because they were, they were throwing out these points. Well, people should do this and people should do that. And I was just listening. Now I'm the only black person sitting at that table. And here's the interesting thing. None of them, now these are my pastor friends. None of them asked me what I thought. Matter of fact, when the talk got there, I was really, I was th- I was really impressed with that pastor for bringing it up. When he said, can I ask a question? I knew where he was going. Like, oh, here we go. This is about to get good. And then when he asked that question, all the eyes went down. You know, you know how you're looking up here and all of a sudden avoid the eye contact? They got uncomfortable. They started throwing out their pat answers. And none of them said, and I've known some of these men for many, many, many years. Many years. Even not longer than some of my family. And none of them asked me, CJ, how do you feel about what's going on? What do you think? Now, and and the reason why I bring that up is because for whatever reason, the dialogue's not happening, even in safe places. Because I'm thinking, I see myself as a safe person. I'm not going to bite your head off unless you talk about my OSU Cowboys doing that, and now we're getting serious. But I, I find myself as, as a safe person, and I, I would think that someone would ask, well, at least I can ask him, because I don't think he's going to hit me or anything. But nobody's asked. And so if it's not happening, if nobody's asking me, then I'm pretty sure nobody's asking most anybody else. However, so people don't know the information because they're not asking personally. They're not asking, hey, why, what do you mean by this, or what does this mean to you? So instead of people getting a firsthand understanding or knowledge from someone who's going through that situation, we come up with our own opinions. That's what I was hearing at that table. They had lots of opinions, but none of them had talked to an African-American. Nor were they talking to this one. And so what I propose is, What I'm excited about, do you realize that you people being here in this building on Sunday mornings, Sunday after Sunday, you are defying the odds. You are killing statistics. Do you realize that? Do you guys realize that? Because Sunday morning is the most segregated day of the week, still. We work together, we play together, we're on the same football teams, we're on the same softball teams, but when it comes time to worship, we all go to our separate places. But for some reason... You guys are cool with the diversity that's here. And some of you didn't know it, and now you're about to leave. <laughs> so here's what I'm excited. Here's why I'm excited. And I, I, I really mean this when I say this, that I'm truly excited about the opportunity that is before us as a body, as followers of Jesus, and particularly in this house right here. Because you guys have already gone this far, I feel dearly loved. Just because none of you maybe have not talked to me about this, that doesn't mean I don't feel loved by you. It doesn't mean I don't feel supported by you. It doesn't mean that I, I don't feel that you don't have my back. I feel that. 
I feel you have my back. I feel you care for me. I feel tremendously supported. So I don't want you to go away with anything other than what I just said. Are we clear on that? I feel greatly loved and supported here. I'm just bringing up an, this issue. And so what I would encourage you to do, us to do, is to take the opportunity to go to the next step. For whatever reason, this is a uncomfortable, scary, well, because uh, it's scary because we see what's happening out there. But I would propose that anybody in this family would be safe. If they're not, I will talk to them. In other words, what I would challenge you to encourage you to do, invite you to do is get with a brother or sister of color. Only if you happen to not be one. If you got that, I don't know if you got that. And just ask them, man, how are you doing? You know, I see you every Sunday. We, 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 do, we play this together. We shoot guns together. We do all this. But man, how are you doing with this stuff? You might learn something. You might hear something that you never thought of before. Because see, I cannot understand Amy's experience. I mean, I can look at her from a distance and all that. I can watch her and everything. And I say, oh, I know why she's doing all that. I, I can form judgments from my perspective without really understanding what's going on. Only if I connect with her and say, hey, Amy, what's going on? Man, what, why are you doing this? Or how are you doing that kind of thing? And I hear her heart, then I have a, a larger perspective. It's only going to come through fellowship. So I would encourage you guys to, to engage in that. Amen? Okay, I ran out of time. Let's go ahead and stand together. So I didn't get to play hoops today. Should do that another time. But so that one, that one point, besides our first allegiance to the kingdom and the king, our identity has to be in him, and let's communicate together. Let's talk and listen to one another. Amen? Because if you get that done and you learn to do that in a safe environment, then you might be more willing to go out there where it's not so safe. And begin to engage and say, hey, man, I, tell me what's going on. And they might, what? what? You want to hear what I have to say? Really? What planet are you from? Planet heaven? <laughs> Let's pray. Jesus, you're so amazing. And we love you so much. And Lord, I love my church family here. And I'm so excited. And Lord, if we need to be, an, if you're calling us to be an example, which I know you are, you're calling all your sons and daughters to be examples. But if we have a particular role to be an example in a specific way, so be it. Whatever your desire and your will is, that's what we want. And I thank you that you're teaching us to love one another, to walk in that, to forgive and to encourage, to lift up our brothers and sisters. And I thank you, Father, for what we have here. That we love people of all races, ethnic groups, backgrounds, skin color. We get to celebrate that here at NCF because of your goodness. I just speak your blessing on every person here, every family. That their home would be full of peace 
and encouragement. In Jesus' name, amen.